BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. humans welcome back to the schmo zone episode number 70 i'm dave schmolenson aka the schmo my co-host is helene with helene sports and today's guest been chasing him down for weeks james <laughs> flex lewis seven consecutive mr olympia 212 winner how are we doing i'm doing great it's great to be here thank you very much for the uh, fantastic invite. I know you have been chasing me. Yeah, for a he couple really of, has. He has. Yeah. He has. <laughs> He's been telling me, hey, Flex, I'm literally chasing the guy. What he, can I do? Uh, no disrespect or anything like that. It's just the stars have aligned perfectly for, for today, and I think everything's going to work out perfectly for the, uh, the audience at home, too. 100%. You're a busy person. We live busy lives. You're a family man, too. I know you were living in Boca Raton, Florida. I was. You came here to Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. I know you had to transition there. You got the gym now. I'm super happy to have you on, and I knew when we had Jay Cutler on, who is a mentor of yours, a mm-hmm. friend of yours, I knew we had to have you on as well, but actually I probably was reaching out to you, Flex, before we even reached out to Jay, but that's okay. That's, that's a correct answer, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is it. the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's just start off with this, like how we met. You know, I think it was a, a Fit Expo in Los Angeles, and you are such an approachable guy. Um, a lot of fit people there, and you stand out, of course. You're a legend, and I'm super glad I can call you a friend now. I appreciate it. Yeah, we met both of you, both, both, met both of you guys at the uh, LA Fit Expo, which was, I think, what, a year and a half ago, maybe? Before the pandemic. Yeah, 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 when we were all walking freely in that world in LA. Um, and obviously, uh, we have a mutual, we have a few mutual friends that connected us, and, and Han Mo- Hans Molenkamp was one of them. We have, obviously, uh, um, Michael Chandler as well, uh, to name a few. So Hans wanted us to connect, and we did. And long story short, here I am. I think I was living in Boca Raton then at the time. That's and right. I invited you to come to the Dragon's Lair. Yeah. Land of, land of John Arnick, Boca yes. Raton. Boca Raton. Um, and I was trying to get you here, but of course, now I have to come to your stomping grounds and build a gym here just to get on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that, but I definitely want to come to Dragon's Lair, but not myself, but the schmo. The schmo has to come, and there's so much good stuff we're going to do together. Absolutely. We can we can probably get into that, too, in this podcast. Fantastic. But uh, I'm really excited for it. I owe that to you, and from everything I've seen, you have a lot of people there. I think Sean Merriman, the former NFL uh, linebacker for the Chargers, I think he was there today. He posted on his Instagram. Yeah, uh, we just had uh, Ali with Zabit. He was there right now. Zabit? Yeah, he's there right That's now. Awesome. Ma- Margamat Sherpo. He is there. Zabit's um, in Las Vegas. Yeah, Zabit is in the Dragons now. How's he looking? He's looking like Zabit. I don't <laughs> know what else to explain, but he's he's like uh, he's one of my one of my favorite you know fighters. It's just the style of him. His style is phenomenal, and, and he um, unfortunately, I, 
I'm here with you guys, so I have to make the choice. Meet Sabit, or I'll come here with you, and obviously you know what the answer is to that. So um, we've had a lot of athletes since we've opened up. We've, we have six Mr. and Miss Olympias that now call the Dragons their, uh, their home. Uh, we have uh, football players, ex-football players, legends. We have a lot of Raiders players that come in, UFC fighters, boxers, and, you know, I could name names, but everybody can see the Instagram. It's, it's, it's turned into a very magical place. Build it and they will come, the saying is, and I built it, and needless to say, I have high, lofty expectations for everything I do in life, but this has surpassed everything on the short term. So why the transition from Boca Raton to Vegas? Because I know you had that there, build that out yeah. over here. Why come to Las Vegas? So I built the gym with a, well, I have a fighter's mentality on, on, on all my career. So when I say that, I go, go into camp. So when I was going and training in various gyms in Florida, I was turning up at the gym and every time I'd go in for Olympia prep, there was, there was like a meet and greet that was arranged for me. In, in one particular circumstance, I turned up and there was about 50 people from a Facebook group that found out I was going to be there and I walk in, they're clapping and I'm like, who the hell is clapping? I'm looking around and it was for me. And it blew my mind, of course, but this became a common thread, you know, every couple of weeks. So um, at the time, I was contemplating whether to open up a gym or not. But as the, the chips fell, um, and I have a lot of friends in, in, in different places with the used or new gym equipment, I reached out to them and I said, listen, if I was to open up my own gym, I want to hand select everything, I train on the best pieces around the world, this is what I, I, I want, I sort of sent a wish list and I started finding, uh, searching um, various different buildings, I looked for different places in and around and I found something in Boca Raton, which of course is through the roof in cost, but it ticked every box. And then soon from that, I started forma formatting the Dragon's Lair. And it was only built for me to win and defend. At that point in time, I had won, won the, my first title. And I wanted to, you know, the, your first defense for a title is, is what solidifies, I feel, a champion. You could win the title, but then when you defend it, you solidify that championship. So everything was really on that, that championship, um, on that year, I'm sorry. So I built this gym out, called it the Dragon's Lair, got a graffiti artist to come in, spray paint it, do everything. There was a hodgepodge of different equipment that was there, all different colors, and I loved it because it was never gonna be open to the public. It was only for me and my VIPs. And like I said, built for me to win and defend. And as the gym started going on and it got more and more notoriety from the athletes that were turning up there and coming there. We obviously am friends with a lot of the fighters. I had Gilbert Burns, uh, Rumble Johnson is one of my, my closest friends in the world, um, etc. Vito Belford, they all came in and they were all doing like strength and conditioning there. And then I started to have the fans knocking the door. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I'd open the door, hey, can I come in? Oh, we can't, it's a private gym, unfortunately. This then snowballed into me bringing in athletes from different countries, especially Brazil, and the Brazilian fan base is unbelievable, especially in bodybuilding. I know fight, the fight fans in Brazil are passionate, but in bodybuilding, unbelievable. Second and none. These guys were knocked the door, couldn't speak any English, and uh, not much better than me. And then they were crying, trying to get into the gym. And then I realized I had something special here. So the Dragon's Lair then took, took full force. At that point in time, my, my company that I'm a partner in, 
Arsenal strength, which is predominantly now in the the uh, Las Vegas location, really started growing. So I I used that then as a remodel. I took all the old pieces out, soaked everything. I brought all the Arsenal strength pieces into the gym, and totally changed the the look, the feel, and created what was the beginning of of the of the you know blow up of the Dragons Lair. I started having all these athletes that I I started bringing in from all over the world. Um, some guys couldn't speak English, but I, it was my way of passing forward, passing back, whatever you want to say. And uh, again, when every athlete came in, they brought their own fan base. So every athlete brought a knock on the door, a knock on the door, and then I was like, wow. People started asking, can you open up to the public? And unfortunately, where we were and we were zoned, we couldn't. So I started looking during the lockdown, and this is a very long story short. Um, during the lockdown, I started looking at various buildings in, in Boca Raton, uh, just outside and I found a couple of places but when I walked in it just wasn't it wasn't in my heart it didn't feel like the dragon's lair so then my one of my best friends and a, a business partner in a different venture he he started sending my wife some real estate porn from Las Vegas buildings that you can get telling the, the, the cost difference so me and my wife decided you know what let's let's jump on a plane we won't tell anybody I filmed some stuff prior and I drip fed it in when I was here, looking around. And I was like, this is the place. I looked, uh, we came twice. The second time I found my current building and I walked in, it was two buildings. I went and looked at the corner building, the corner one, and then the one next door. I said, I'll have both. And I, I knocked them through and the dragon's last started to, to come to fruition. And here we are. And as soon as I said I was moving to Las Vegas, as soon as I said that I was going to be building what I built, everybody started moving here. They were like, I was on the edge of coming, but I'm coming now. And, and I brought from my team about 11 people from Boca Raton to, to Las Vegas. We're very loyal, very tight crew. And then I probably brought another, I don't know, you'll see. There's, there's so many people that have moved. It's blown my mind. We'll be there. We'll 100% yeah, be there. Yeah. That's awesome. So how are you kind of adjusting or adapting to Las Vegas? Um, well, coming from Florida, I love this weather. Yeah. You know, the dry heat, as you can probably see, I'm sweating like mad. But um, the the dry heat of Vegas has always been something I, I, I don't mind whatsoever. And again, the hottest days in Florida, the humidity, oh, it's horrible. I'd walk out of the house, I'd start sweating, I'd, you know, put a pair of new clothes on, I'd go to the gym, i sweat. So it was just several clothes a day. And But again, with the move itself, it was, I think everything played its part. I was in Florida for a total of about eight years and, and I had six to seven wonderful years there, networking, growing the brand. But in the end, I just felt a little bit of stagnation. There was no evolution. Um, so the Vegas, the, the, the pandemic, the lockdown happened and I know it's been, you know, tough for many people, including myself, you know, with, with everything, but I seen the best of it and otherwise I wouldn't have been here. I seen there was an opportunity to come to Las Vegas to open up a gym, and uh, the rest is history. You know, it, it's been. A, I feel like the stars aligned for me to get you. Yes, indeed. And yeah. let's talk about those stars aligning. 2012, 
That was the inaugural year of the Olympia 212, and you won it. Yeah, and not only did you win it, you defended it seven consecutive That's times. That's incredible. Mm. It's an incredible feat. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I mean, it's it's in the history books. It's etched in there. Yeah. Like, just the mental fortitude to stay on top of the game for seven straight years and to do that, like, talk our audience through that and just kind of the origins of Flex Lewis. <laughs> well, I think the... The, the defense and the win, um, again, listen, coming from my country, if I was to take this story way back, if you want to do that. They have a great accent, so let's talk uh, about absolutely. that. Absolutely, this is authentic. Yes. You know, I've worked hard on this all day for you. Um, <laughs> taking it way back, I got into the sport from really a free gym membership. And I was uh, 12 years old when I first seen my, my first ever bodybuilder. It was a book that I discovered from... Um, a seminar that my auntie had, 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 had uh, uh, um, gone to. She was in London, she was a nurse, and she ended up um, going to Tom Platts, he's a big famous bodybuilder, his seminar. And uh, what happened there was she met Tom Platts, she fell in love with, with this guy, and she ended up purchasing the book, and it's signed, bringing it back to Wales, putting it in my grandmother's closet, and then me being the nosy 12-year-old kid, discovered this book bought it out and I was blown away by all the images in that book and I literally blown away. And the legs was what this guy was known for. And um, and all honesty, when most people get into the sport, they want the arms, they want the chest. I just wanted to have big legs. That was it. I just wanted big legs. And from there, we, you know, I, I took this book home to my house, hid it under my bed, brought it out. And um, every night I was like, wow, how do I get legs like this? And then I realized that, oh my gosh, th this is this thing that whatever it was called, it was the, obviously barbells. I didn't know what it was called at the time. But I think my father has this in the shed. So I waited for my father and mother one day to go to the, the store and out come the, the weights. I pulled it from the top of the garden all the way through the house, brought it up through the stairs, hid this thing out of my bed. And every single night I'd bring out this uh, fixed bar, rusted, and I would do a squat. I'd, I'd somehow get it onto my back and one turned to two, turned to two, turned to three, to four, to five. And before I know it, I was full blown squatting, just copying this this book every single night. Now, uh, my parents uh, discovered this little uh, workout regime in my room. I think my parents thought it was something else going on, being a, a, a teenager, all this huffing and puffing going on from <laughs> behind the door. My father opened the door with his eyes closed and he was like, ah, oh, okay, that's okay, but uh, you know. Well, you did miss episode 69. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. okay, well, that's actually good. That's yes. good. Um, <laughs> but needless to say, my parents uh, said, uh, you know, you can't be training. You're gonna, it's gonna stunt your growth. And I was like, you for real? Like, I, I'm five foot five. My parents are five foot four and five foot five too. So I was not gonna be a basketball player anytime soon unless I stunted my growth from weight training. But uh, the weight started to be put away. Fast forward, um, I was in school. I started picking it up there. I started doing some stuff with the, my physical education teachers. Tr literally using my lunch break to go and train with my PE teachers. And they, cr they showed me correct form, how to do things, how to lift. And I got the iron bug. Now, I was playing rugby at a very high level at that point in time. And my, my path was really paved to be a rugby player. My, my grandfather was a rugby player, professional. My father was a, a rugby coach. My mother was a team manager. My brother's a, a semi-pro rugby player. Um, I'll talk about my brother later too. Um, but it seemed like my, destin my, my destiny from the outside in was rugby. But for me, 
it wasn't going to be the case. I discovered this thing called weight training, and I was thinking, how can I, how can I make this into a profession? I didn't know about bodybuilding. I didn't know about any of this. So I joined my my gym, my first gym at a uh, fifteen. I started powerlifting to help with the rugby, and soon um, I see my first bodybuilder in the flesh. And this guy then became a training partner. Um, I still played rugby. Um, this poster went up on the wall, and it was the Mr. Wales competition. And in my country, bodybuilding is is a pretty popular sport. You know, whatever you want to call it a sport or not, but it's pretty followed. It's a sport. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of people do it. You know, it's a blue collar work ethic to the whole thing. And there was a lot of guys in the gym that that had competed or, or were competing, but are more so powerlifters. So I was uh, I was asked if I had any interest in bodybuilding, and for me, I was like, I ain't gonna get up on stage with them speedos. What the hell's wrong with you? Spray tan. Do that spray tan. You look good in a spray tan. I do look good in a spray tan. Spray tan. <laughs> It only happens once a year, though. Um, <laughs> Got to keep people calm. No. Um, so I, I ended up being like, oh, that's not for me. So the gym owner said, I'll give you a free gym membership if you do. And I was like, oh, fuck, I was in school. So college. And, and that, to me, was a lot of money to save. I can do this. And I've done track and field. I run for my country. I run indoors. I had some records for hurdles. So I, I come from a sporting background. Uh, summertime track and field, wintertime rugby, gymnastics on top of that. So I thought, how hard can this be? You know, this is this can't be hard. So I ended up buying a Flex magazine and looking at the diet in the Flex magazine. I thought, oh, I'll copy this. I'll just take away this, 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 this. That's oh, a cheaper, cheaper diet. And I dieted on what we know or what I know now as depletion, which is pretty much the last week of what you do when you restrict your carbohydrates basically down to nothing. I'd done that for 12 weeks. I was living hell. Hardest diet I've ever done to my, in, in my life. So I ended up getting on that stage, uh, winning my first show, and all my college friends came. And, and it's a great atmosphere in the Mr. Wales. Obviously, my parents didn't really know too much about the sport. They supported me in everything I've ever done. But they came and they were like, wow, this is this is kind of wild. You know, there's air horns, there's there's alcohol, there's a lot of shouting, you all yelling, <laughs> um, a lot of spray tans. And uh, there I was on stage and everybody was like blown away because I didn't have that confidence. But when I turned on stage, I turned that alter ego on. And, and that's something I had to use for the first couple of years as an alter ego because I was not that guy, you know? Um, but when I walked on stage, I transformed. So it was, it was uh, in the earlier stages. I, um, well, without going into going into that, I'd stay into the the question. Um, the the Mister Wales really transformed my life in terms of me getting to where I am now. Because I was going to just do one show and be done, one and done. My friends had come to to support me. They had a massive bag of the best candy I've ever seen. Uh, and I was very excited to eat that. And there comes this guy after following myself and my mother and my father into the parking lot to the car. And he was like, hey, you need to compete in the British Championships and, and wear the, the badge of your country. And, you know, Wales is the smallest country in Britain, in Ireland, Scotland and, and England. So to fly the flag for your country is a big, honorable thing. And I was like, oh, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. And this guy was 
probably the most prestigious pro at the time in in my country. And he said, you know what? If you if you do the show, I'll help you. And for me, I was like, wow. You know, there's nobody that give me any help before I done this all on my own. And you're the best guy in my country offering to help me. And uh, we uh, we formulated a plan. Four weeks later, I went to the British Nationals. I won that, and that guy's still with me to this day. Nineteen years later, my coach Neil Hill. We call that loyalty. 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 Yeah. The grass is not greener. A lot of people bounce around, True. and I truly believe, um, you know. Loyalty is is such a, a rare trait these days yeah. that I, I want to be one of the guys that showcases that, you know, everybody's going to have their ups and downs, right? And, you know, me and my coach have definitely had our ups and downs, but we've made fantastic memories over the years. You know, we've been all over the world. We've competed all over the world. We were undefeated as an amateur. I wouldn't have been able to do that if it wasn't for him and obviously vice versa, right? We both have been able to provide now a lifestyle for for one another, this this uh, guy from all the way in the small corner of Wales now is regarded as one of the best coaches in the world. And he's got some of the best athletes who actually stand against me too. So, um, you know, it, it's all about supporting one another and he supported me. And again, he's the, the godfather to my child and and so on and so on. It's, it's a wonderful story. And I hope that more people are able to do a very similar story, but unfortunately, most people get to a certain level and then think they have to level up. And it's not really the case, you know. It's all about having a guy that, that got me in shape from the get-go. Why would I look for greener grass when, when I was always in shape? And this guy, to this day, still talks to me and treats me as if I'm doing my first amateur competition. He has a hat he puts on and he tells me in advance, he's like, 12 weeks, I'm going to put coach hat on on Monday. And literally on Monday, I'm like, hey, what's up? He's like... What, what time do you eat your first meal? You know what I mean? Or what time did what time you go to bed? And we it's so regimented. It's so regimented. But you know, I need that. I think every top athlete needs that, you know, and um as you grow up the ranks, whatever sport you're in, the better you get. I feel like some people lose the essence and the edge. And I've just kept the same people around me that that keep me humble, keep me keep telling me what I need to to, not to hear, but what I need to know for that day, and um, and that's basically it. I don't know if I answered your question. Did I go all over the place? It's totally <laughs> fine, man. It's it's Incredible a great story. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. And, uh, but something you said though too, and we both talked at the same time was loyalty. And I yes. know you're yeah. such a big MMA fan, and yeah. for some reason, my head kind of started pointing into kind of a trendy topic right now. Talk about someone who's the most popular fighter of all time in the UFC and Conor McGregor. Right. You talk about loyalty. Look where he came from. Look at his coaching staff and yeah. John Cavanaugh on SBG Ireland, the guys that brought him there. And people are like, oh, Conor, if he ever wants to come back, he needs to evolve. He needs to try a different camp, different coaching staff. He's surrounded by too many people that they people are just anointing these people yes men that don't push him and drive. But then at the same time, he has loyalty to yeah. these people. I don't know what the balance is. I don't know what the answer is. Everyone has an opinion on it. Yeah. Curious to get your opinion on that. Um, so my, myself and Con have a very similar upbringing. You know, we've we've both come from very similar uh, housing development structures. You know, in the in the earlier stages of our life. And I, th if I was to look at him and and the people he has around him, it's very similar to the friends that I have. No, that being said. Um, I love what Connor's done. He's he's brought his whole camp up. 
when he eats, his whole team eats. I know a lot of his training partners. Of course, the corner that you see on TV is not the corner that you see, you know, or what they have. And, and you know, and rightly so, you know. The, the family corner shouldn't expose himself. That's what the family gets. We see the, the production, right? Um, this last fight, I, I feel like we've seen a kind of like a, a hybrid version of him. You know, he was very amped up and hyped up. Whether he needed to do that, I don't know. But being a, a fan of his, a genuine fan of his, I, I've seen him go from the bottom and how he had that uh, poor man's mentality. And, and I can relate to that. I still have a poor man's mentality. Regardless of what I do financially with the businesses and, and everything else, I think having a poor man's mentality keeps you ha to have this edge, right? I'm not to saying that Connor needs to go back and be like Rocky and go in the middle of nowhere and, and you know, start throwing logs around or anything like that, but... Rocky Four, Rocky great Four, movie. Amazing, amazing. Um, but I do think that if you're waking up alone luxury, there's an element that's been taken away because when you're hungry and you have nothing to your name and you've got bills and your electricity is out, and there's things of that nature going on, you have a tremendous edge to improve your life and those around you too. When you have everything, it's like, what's your purpose? Why do you wake up in the morning? Now, I, I truly believe that Connor has a, uh, a athlete's mentality because he doesn't have to get up and, and, and do what he does and get run and kick, get kicked and punched. Um, but he does it because he loves to scrap. He's Irish. You know, them, guy, them boys love to throw down a couple of beers and you'll see, they love it. And I think he's one of them guys too. And of course, he's surrounded, just as you said, with the same people he grew up with, same training partners, with the additional people that he brings in for camp. But it's fundamentally the same people. I don't think John Kavanagh lays back, lays, lays um, um, gives Connor any slack personally. I don't. I think they have a great relationship, just like myself and my coach. But behind closed door, I think, I think he he runs the ship. I might be wrong, but um, knowing what I know about him and and what I've seen, and I think John is a is a very intelligent coach. He puts a great plan together. He uh, he's not a, a very emotional person. He's very calculated what he says and does. And I think that, you know, I know him and Connor from old from the interviews of old that. I think he was losing Connor, but in the, in the last couple of couple of fights, he seems like they've they, they've re reconnected. But um, again, listen, I'm looking from the outside in and only knowing a few things from certain people in his camp. But um, I, I'd love to see Connor, you know, back in that octagon. And you know, if he's got another fight in him, I'd love to see him go out with a bang. I s yeah. Who would you like to see him? return against because oh. he has quite a few good options too. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so many, there's so many fights I'd like to see. Um, you know, he obviously wants to get the Dustin Ponier four. Probably going to go keep on going on to be honest, but <laughs> for sure, <laughs> where does it end? Right. But I'd like to see him back. And if there was a fight to be made, I think the fans would like to see that, you know, 
Diaz is another one. Yeah. Diaz, I've yeah. always said, but yeah. even even recently in this past week, I recently interviewed him for the first time. Jeremy Stevens. Jeremy Stevens. Are you good? Yes. <laughs> I mean, they're yes. both coming off losses. I think the storyline's there. Yeah. Who the fuck is that? that guy. <laughs> I know. I know. I think. And Jeremy wants yes. it. Yes. Or I Tony, mean, Ferguson. Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson, too. So I love many. Yeah. He can so do whatever many. he wants, yeah. though. And, and the thing with Connor, his name you have to give him just from the financial side and the pay-per-view side because he's the only fighter that you can headline a pay-per-view card without a belt on the line. That's very true. Not, no one else he can do that. Yeah. You got to give him a top-tier guy. Yeah, you like, got to. You know, that's why Nick Diaz, he's not returning against anyone. It's yeah. the rematch with Robbie Lawler, which I cannot wait for, <sighs> UFC yeah. 266. Me too. Me too. So many good things. I, um, I mean, we could just go on and on yeah. and on. Um and even Michael Chandler, though, yes, in I that know. division. Yeah. I mean, he's been calling out Justin Gaethje. I know. And Gaethje doesn't, I, it's not that Gaethje doesn't want that fight. Maybe just Gaethje wants a better fight. I don't know. It's an sure. interesting situation yeah. where you haven't heard from Justin well, Gaethje. You were at the fight last weekend at the I Apex, was. and Michael Chandler was there, too. Yes, Did you yes. happen to run into him? No, or? I texted him. He still didn't text me back the burger. But I want, bad I, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know, I know. He'll, he'll text me back like three or four days later. He's always apologetic, you know, how he yeah. is. Super yeah. nice guy. My dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's a super nice guy. He was actually in the studio at the time, yeah. and we were leaving. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of that Islam, too. You know, Islam. I don't butcher his last name, but I was there, and you could see that uh, I know his game plan from the camp, but he wanted to test his hands, and I, I could see him trying to finish that fight with his hands, but you could see Khabib was like going nuts in the corner. It's like, <laughs> just, just put it down. I, I, I called the round too, so I was happy that it was finished in the fourth. So I was, I was uh, Dad and Misha, I came off uh, winning on that. How did it feel being back in the apex? Because this was the first time they really opened it up to fans during yeah. this whole pandemic time. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, but I've been there before. But Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> well, certain select guests, of course, you're select guest, of course. VIP. Yeah. Uh, VIP. Well, um, I'm, again, shout out to the UFC, Dana, Hunter Campbell, and the amazing staff over there. They've, they've been absolutely phenomenal with me. They know that I'm a massive fight fan, and as soon as I moved here, uh, them guys reached out and said, if you want to come over, no problem. Just do the, you know, the standard protocol COVID test and, and whatnot. And, um, <laughs> yeah, and I got to see uh, Cody Nolov on that fight. Yeah, you did lost. text me for that yeah, one. I did, yeah. yes. yes. And I texted We were you. on the other side. I yes. knew you've been at the yeah, Apex yeah. before. And then, um, and then I think the, the last two fights were the corner fight, and I went to that too. Uh, I think you went too far from me on the seats. I remember sh you shooting a video from your phone. I was like, this guy's got to be... And it was only after the fact, though. <laughs> yes. No, I, I, I was in the cheaper seats a little bit behind you, though. No, we, we, we <laughs> Helen and I were roaming. We right, were roaming, right, yeah. Right, yeah. But it was a, a great card. A lot of people were like, oh, my gosh, you're in this office. This is the what the hell? There's so many casuals there. This is the fight game. It's like, game. Yeah, unpredictable. You know? Yeah, this is... What did you think of for Wonder Boy Thompson? Everyone yeah. shouting USA, 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 uh, and then yeah. Dustin Poirier, Louisiana, USA. The next uh, fight, crickets. You don't hear USA chants because it's Connor. It's Connor, and the flags came out and everything else. Yeah. And you, if you want, it was my first time my wife had been to a live event. What did she think? Oh my gosh! I was like, it was a birthday too, so she was happy birthday. Happy birthday. On, oh yeah, on the DL, on the DL, she was freaking out i looked over and she was freaking out yeah she's she's gone from eight years ago me having the ufc when we first got together uh, nine years ago um the ufc on 
any time of the day, breakfast, whenever we're eating, you know, she's like, oh, please, baby, can you just turn this off? It's just like gruesome, you know? It's sort of, to then full circle, when I'm on the road, I'm texting her saying, I've got the paper, I'm watching the pay-per-view. And she, um, <laughs> and she says, yeah, I'm watching it too. I got it. I was like, you go, girl. Full <laughs> circle. I was like, I'm like beating awesome. my chest in the hotel room, like, that's my girl, you know? And she's commenting, did you just see that takedown or anything else? I was like, I love who you turn into. I love it. So when we, um, <laughs> the Apex I've not taken her to um, yet, but um, the first fight that we had the ability to once we moved in Vegas, obviously was a big one. So I got the tickets and uh, shout out to the UFC again. They helped me with that. And she was thoroughly enjoyed herself shouting and for Conor McGregor. And uh, of course, we all wanted to see a little bit more of that fight, regardless of what happened. Now, listen, I'm a fan of Conor. I've, I've not um, had the, the ability to meet him yet. We've been sponsored by several different companies. He be on one side of the world, I'm on the other. We have mutual friends and everything else. Uh, but um, Dustin, I've met several times, class act. You know, I've, I've been to various fights with him, bare knuckle, whatever, and we've been in, in the same vicinity. My brother trained him in strength and conditioning at, at American Top Team. So my brother trained him, Joanna, uh, jo uh, Junior DeSantos, uh, the list goes on, the list goes on. So um, the ties were there. So going into this fight, my brother's talking mad shit. I don't know if I can swear on this podcast. Of course you Okay, can. all good. So my brother's talking mad shit, um, you know, because he's a, obviously a dusting guy. Uh, but I just wanted to see a fight. I wanted to see a fight and I wanted to see skills being used. And I thought that one thing you can say about Connor when he when he's done any type of, um, you know, match, return match, rubber match, whatever you want to call it, he's always improved his skills and he's always come back and fought a different fight. And I was really excited to see something showcased differently. And obviously his ego and he's got a point to prove and the fans are obviously were going nuts because nobody's seen that that energy and that atmosphere. Nobody has for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. um, I thought we were going to see something, you know, much bigger. But unfortunately, it is what it is, and it is the fight uh, fight game, right? As a fan from the outside in, um, you know, that that understands the sport and has seen many of my friends go through camps, get injured in camps, you know, get to the fight, get injured in fight week. It's part of the sport, for sure. For sure. Let's, uh, we'll go back to MMA, but let's go back to you for a second. Um, someone we had on here, we brought him up before, Jay Cutler mm -hmm. on the podcast. What what was the relationship with you and Jay Cutler like? Um, so obviously Jay chasing Ronnie Coleman for all them years, all was, the years. was an amazing thing to, to, to witness. I actually was in attendance and for a few of them Olympias when I seen Ronnie going and Jay going back and forth and Jay chasing him and unfortunately he was always a bridesmaid for for many of them eight titles that Ronnie had won. So I'd won, I, sorry, I'd met Jay a number of years prior through a guy that actually helped uh, Jay come to California. His name is Ed Connors. He's the original owner of Gold's Gym, Venice. And that's really how I came to the US. Um, I'll stay to the story, I'll pick up on something like that later. You, you'll see if you're interviewing me, I'm all over the place. So with Jay, I think it was four or five days after the Olympia, I was with um, uh, somebody who was a, a journalist in the sport, and he said to me, you wanna come with me? I gotta do a story on somebody, didn't tell me, so we started driving, driving, and I was like, 
who lives in Las Vegas as a bodybuilder that we, we, we can drive? And back then, Jay lived in, in a different place. I didn't roll with Jay until we literally got to the house. So me being 20 years old, wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, everything was bodybuilding at this point in time, right? I get to see the end destination of what I was aiming for. It was incredibly motivating. I walked into this guy's house. I seen all his trophies. His, you know, his house is, you know, what he built through bodybuilding was fantastic. It's huge, and it was motivation to me. It's like this is what I can achieve if I really work hard through bodybuilding and, and you know, do what I need to do. And Jay was very gracious, and obviously he brought out some of the trophies for me. And oh, I'm twenty years old, I'm getting given the Anna Classic trophy to hold. I was given the Mr. Olympia trophy to, uh, to the runners-up at the time, trophy to hold and the medals and just seeing all his front covers that he had and, and it was just mind-blowing to me. And I went back, you know, to Wales with so much motivation and I told, you know, me and Jay have talked about this many times, but that was very, like a pivotal point for me. Um, Jay is probably one of the most um, looked-upon bodybuilders in terms of business He's done a phenomenal job with the business aspect of bodybuilding, the branding, uh, you know, the DVDs that were made during prep. Um, he he literally seen seen things from a different eyeglass and and made sure that he capitalized in prep by showcasing, filming, having this done, that done, merchandise, whatever it was. And I learned. You know, nobody taught him that. He was pretty much, there's no guidebook or anything. He pretty much taught himself or whatever. So I seen this guy and I and I was like, man, I got to emulate this. So I, I came into this sport long before I had any contracts and I had to have a business business mentality to this whole thing. And thankfully, a lot of things that I'd done growing up, I don't come from, not come from a financially blessed family or anything like that. I'm very proud and happy with the upbringing I had. But whatever I I, I wanted, I had to get myself. And that mentality shifted into the business aspect of bodybuilding. If you want it, you gotta train for it. If you want to brand yourself, you gotta find ways of doing it. So Jay again was the pioneer, um, and, and going off the point, but asking to answer your question, he over the years has, has put me, or, or answered any of them questions, has, has guided me in, in so many great directions. He's just a great ambassador for the sport, and somebody I look up and, and emulate because he's he's not a over the top cocky you know person. He's confident. He knows his abilities, but what he's achieved uh, in this sport is is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, and he's a very nice person because absolutely. even when I first started my radio show many yeah. years ago, and I was like 22 years old, I was nervous and. He was like basically one of my first ever guests. Yeah, really? he came into studio, was wow. just super supportive. And, and then so we kind of came full circle That's when amazing. he was on the podcast. That's yeah. great. And and again, I hope that we can tell a story in many years time. Yeah. Just don't ignore me. That's all, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no. And, and then something that you mentioned about when you step on stage and kind of finding that alter ego, mm -hmm. did that come naturally or? Um, I think it's something that has, was worked on. I, I was so incredibly nervous in my first show. And the only way that I could get hold of them nerves was to be like, you know what? Nobody knows you out there. Nobody is going, if you make a mistake, nobody's gonna judge you other than the same judges that stand in front of you. 
um, but the audience don't know anything about you. So I, and, and honestly, that moment, I can remember to this day, that clarity and that thought pattern only happened moments before going on stage. And that's something that transcended throughout my whole career. It's like this, this thought came to my head. It's like, nobody knows you. Relax, do your thing. And then when I walked on, I remember, and this is the God's honest truth, my training partner at the time was the gentleman I mentioned earlier, the one of the first ever bodybuilder I've seen. I ended up training with him. He came running backstage. He was like, listen, Flax. And you could see he was like stressing. He said, listen, Flax, this kid just went on. I'm not trying to put pressure on you, but you just got to go all out. And I was like, what is he on about? That was me, you nut job. Everybody was blown away because when I went out to my first show, nobody expected me to, to, to be that guy. Um, I remember doing a pose and routine to uh, Jamiroquai, and it was um, the Godzilla theme track. I don't know if you can remember that, but uh, I'm not going to hum it. I'm not going to sing it, but I done it to that. It's a kind of like a low bass intro, and then it explodes. Jamiroquai said, "Ow, bum, 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 bum." That's as far as you got. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're looking at me like, don't continue, please. No, I like it. I like. I know what you're talking yes. about. So I, that was my first ever routine, and and everybody was uh, in the audience. Of course, my parents recognized me and all my friends, but my training partner was also competing in the show. Let's call it low carbs. He ran back and said, like, what the hell? So um, it was uh, it was definitely a moment of me getting hold of my nerves, and then the next show, pretty much the same, and then it became normality. To be honest, like now I can just jump on a stage with with thousands tens of thousands of people grab the mic and and just start talking you know where they understand me is another thing but i don't have that and, and if you had told me in the very beginning stages of my career that uh i would be up on stage talking with a mic in my hand i probably wouldn't have done it you know so it, it's something i i had to really hit to use this terminology but i had to fake it until i made it i had to to create that alter ego until i became that person can certainly relate to that. I yeah. know you do. Hundred <laughs> percent. Same exact mindset. When yeah. I, as as the schmo, no one knows who the hell I am. What can I do to be different? Um, dare to be different. Definitely. Stand out in this industry where you get the same type of generic type questions. Yeah. And uh, alter ego when the glasses are on and the camera's rolling and I see that red dot flashing. That's it's right. go time. That's right, my friend. But his alter ego's the schmo. You go by flex since yeah. you were six years six. old or since you were young. So who's your alter ego? Like, what do you have a name for? I don't know. <laughs> to be honest, flex, I don't know. Flex Lewis, I don't know. It's the best bodybuilding name, but you got that nickname yeah. you were saying before. Maybe the camera's rolling when you were six years old. So yeah. tell our audience the origins of that. So I got that nickname uh, flex when I was, well, it was flex and flexy. And it got abbreviated down. But... It was six years old. I was given it by um, a couple of rugby teammates, and it pretty much stuck throughout. I went to school. I was called Flex when I was in trouble. I was called Flex in the Tannoy to the principal's office, Flex Lewis. And really, nobody knew that I had a real name. <laughs> I honestly, <laughs> until there's a lot of friends that would book my airline ticket, and it'd say Flex Lewis. I'd be like, guys, I can't even get on the plane. I, I, you booked me as Flex Lewis. What's wrong with you? But, you know, again, not many people know, but my full name, my full legal name that only TSA know is Stephen James Lewis. And we go by, in my in my family, we all go by our middle names. Mm. So my name is uh, James. Um, 
and my brothers are all by a middle name. My father's all by a middle name. Same thing. But uh, Flex was was um, an adopted name. The only people that call me James is my wife and my mother and father and my family members. You know, back in my country. But outside of that, everybody calls me Flex. I hate being called James, to be honest, because it reminds me of my mother. Me, I'm being in trouble. Mm. <laughs> so the nickname has been definitely utilized. I somehow found myself in this crazy sport. The breadcrumbs laid down for me to, to, to get to where I was. And, I, and when I look back, and my mother said this many times, it seems like it was fate. There was no bodybuilder influence growing up. There wasn't an uncle or a cousin or a friend. There wasn't, again, there was that book in Tom Platt's. It changed my whole mindset, my, my, my whole, uh, I, I just remember looking at that book at that point in time and being like, what the hell? You know, there's guys that look like this. And then I remember also getting up <clears throat> in the early hours of the morning and going sneaking downstairs to my grandparents' house. That's why I love staying at my grandparents' house because I wouldn't be able to get away with it in my, in my parents. And I watching wrestling, WWF. Yes. Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. And and Hulk Hogan and Macho, Macho Man, Man and Randy per Savage. Mr. Perfect and oh. all these guys. And, and then it was just like, what the heck are these guys, you know? So I, I wanted to be a wrestler for the longest time until I realized <laughs> until I realized that five foot five ain't cutting nothing, you know. <laughs> There's no promo I can cut for standing next to these guys. And um, but I've got a lot of respect for that industry, you know, wrestling. It's for sure, a tough, yeah. tough life. We've yeah. interviewed a few of them. Tough and life. Summer Slam's gonna be here next and month at Legion Stadium. Yeah. We have a tough decision to make. Yeah. There's so much going. That's the same night as the Pacquiao. Oh come Spence on, fight, fight, Spence yeah. fight. Ooh. And also a UFC fight is that night as well, I believe. Gaslam. Gaslam and Cannoneer. Oh my gosh. You can't make make our lives different. Because I'm thinking of this, all this stuff that's going on here. <laughs> um, I have a lot of friends in the that are coming into town, so I probably have to to, to see these uh, these wrestler friends of mine. Um, I got a, I actually, Uli the Monster from Bare Knuckle. Great oh, guy. Yeah, we done his podcast. Awesome. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. 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 Uli messes me. Today, I'm sorry, I'm professional. Me, um, he messaged me because I'm I'm really good friends with his girl Ashley. Yeah, yeah, wrestler. Yeah, she she's, goes she's by Dana Brooke. Dana Brooke. Yeah. Dana Brooke. So they're coming in. He messaged me today to say they're coming into town to to be at that event. I don't know because the rostrum has changed so much, and there's there's athletes that just got dropped too, um, which shocked me because there was a couple of big names that got dropped. Um, Braun Strowman was one of them. Yeah, yeah, that's shock. He's a he's a friend of mine, but he's cool. He's Shocked me talent. too. It feels like the other day, even though it was like last year, it was just in the ring with Tyson Fury. Yeah, yeah. I don't know when it went on. Who knows? Not my thing. But he's coming into town soon, so you know, I don't know if the Shmo Shmo wants to hundred percent in his face. <laughs> I think the Shmo could take him, to be honest with you. I'm gonna Ooh. come in my onesie to the Dragons Lair. Do whatever you want. The, the Shmo versus the pro. The Schmo can do whatever he wants. <laughs> so we bring up wrestling, yeah. WWF yes. and WCW, huge yes. influences yeah. in yes. both of our lives. Right. Okay, yeah. And Macho Man too, like. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. How we doing, <laughs> Slim Jim Macho Man? <laughs> There's so much influence of those types of characters yes. into the creation of my my shtick. Oh really? Huge, huge, and like you, you know, yeah. I'm five eleven, and I wanted to be a professional basketball player. And when I realized I wasn't going to make it yeah. to that next level, the best best next best thing to do would be talking about sports and you know and i'm a goofy weird funny guy and the backstage wcw that type yeah. of style with the chicago second city legends that's where i'm from i grew up outside of chicago 
it was just my world was that and one thing led to another but what are you going to do that weekend flex what it, what event are you going to choose there's too many good options here I'll, I'll bounce it off i've done this many times before when i'm at an event and i've got my phone going on the lap too i've probably got two phones one is showing the ufc unless i'm watching the wrestling let, let, let's let's not me let's not put it out there otherwise i'm going to be shot regardless i'm stuck between a pillar and a post and i can't win <laughs> that weekend yes as a sporting fan though what a weekend. I know. What a huge weekend. And for Vegas. And, and yes. this city itself, too. What we're doing on Friday after the UFC weigh-ins, there's the charity baseball game. It's the oh, Golden wow. Knights uh, charity Ra- softball game Raiders. versus the Raiders players. And right after that, all the Golden Knights players, yeah. a lot of them you know, live in Canada, all yeah. over the world. They'll go home. Raiders then will start training camp. Um, Helen and I, as independent journalists, uh, we are pivoting in a way obviously we're not going to stop covering the ufc and mma fighters as our base but we're going to try to cover all the sports we're going to try to cover raiders we'll do some bodybuilding yeah we'll do some pro professional wrestling we'll do nhl we'll do nba we just did the big three i got to interview ice cube and dr j we're just going to keep spreading ourselves out there spreading the wings and growing this thing absolutely i'm i'm excited to see you you know what you guys do of course i've I met you in one genre, but now in the backstory, now over the last couple of months, uh, I think every sport that I can think of needs some you know guys like yourself. There's there's such a um, a cookie cutter yes. style of of interviewer, and this just breaks breaks that you know breaks the norm. Yeah, and it's like the the sports executives running these networks have had it the same way for decades and decades, and they refuse to change and adapt to this young digital mobile audience. And even just someone that the fighters could feel comfortable with, not get drilled the same, how does it feel question, or how was training, and just to break up the monotony of the same BS time in and time out. I love it. I just that's why I think we get along so well yeah. too because you understand that and I, I have so much respect from the sport and background you come in and you're a fight fan I am a fight fan as well as a crazy bodybuilder but I appreciate it you know again I um, even before we met uh, I love the style that you brought the branding you know the the uniqueness and plus also and I'm not blowing smoke you always have great angles to your questions you know, there's, you. there's people that will stand up and, and give um, the cliche question if they have the opportunity. There was always something that you threw, um, I threw, threw a curveball in. Curveball, monkey wrench. Yes, whatever you want to call yes. it. And I think I remember the first time, again, I don't know the behind the scenes, but when you asked the question of Dana first time and he was just sides, he was swiped. But like, what the hell is going on? I think he said, right? Who the, who the, who's that what, who's what the, the fuck who, just yeah, happened? What just happened? And that stuck in my brain, you know, and then I kept on seeing more and more and more. And uh, the more interviews you've done, and now the, obviously the fighters gravitate to you because you're not going to do, they're not going to throw anything to them. You know, you're, you're, they, they know that in a safe zone, you're going to have a little tongue-in-cheek humor, but you're also going to have a couple of solid questions that, that you can ask them too. So I, I love the style. Inform and entertain. Exactly. That's the way to do it. Yes. Um, this weekend, TJ Dillashaw is returning against I know, Corey Sanhagen. I know, I know. I love this matchup. They've trained with each other, but you have, you know, TJ's got that wrestling background. Uh, I think there's like a six inch uh, height differential. Like TJ's around 5'6, Corey's 5'11. Mm-hmm. Um, lengthy striker. 
um, look, the winner of this fight, they're right there yeah. for the Bantamweight title. They didn't make an interim Bantamweight championship. <laughs> they did for the heavyweight, but the winner of this fight, I imagine, is going to fight the winner of Jan and Sterling. I believe so. I, I, yeah, that, I... <sighs> You it's going to be a banger. Yeah, what do you think? I, I think if it stands up, it's going to be San Higgins. I, I think he's just, he's dangerous. And I'm not knocking TJ Dillashaw at all. I just, the fact we haven't seen him fight for, what, about a year and a half? Is it two years? Two years, yeah. Two years. More than um, that now. Because yeah, yeah. But yeah. suspended two years. Yeah, I feel that, um, obviously, San Higgins is, is fresh. He's, he's, had, he's had that run. I don't know. And I don't know if I, I believe in ring rust, but I know that I know TJ's training partners. He trains with the Spaniard. He trains with Lance Palmer. So he's got savages around him all the time. But if if TJ is a, I feel like a little bit more of a complete fighter. So if it was taken to the ground, it's TJ's. If it stands on his feet, it's going to be interesting. But I think it's going to be San Higgins. I don't know what you think. I'll let Helen go, and then I'll chime in. Well, my whole thing is, do you think he'll ever be able to kind of move on, in a sense, from just everything that happened? He seems... I watched an interview today with him, and he, he's he's kind of owning it, right? From the yeah, get-go. Yeah, and um, I've met TJ af before the fact and after the fact, and it was a different TJ when I met after the fact. It seemed like whatever happened really humbled him. Um... And you know, obviously, he's he's had a lot of a lot of shit from from everything that happened. But who knows? You know, again, he seemed in the interview that um, whatever questions that were going to be uh, be asked of him, he answered honestly and openly. Uh, I don't know if you guys were there or not, but um, from from the interview I seen today, I think it was today that they posted it up. He was just like, yeah, it happened, and and I've I've come to terms with it. And no matter what the media, the comments, or whatever people are saying, it is you know it, it happened. It's not going to phase me. I've got I've got tough skin. My focus now is is moving forward, and I guess his family is is the the biggest drive to all that. Yeah. Uh, to uh, to answer your questions, we we did we were not there today. We don't go to the media days like we used to anymore because they're the same type of style where it's like the same order, the same old wall. Like yeah. both of us, we do our one-on-one -on -one interviews and yeah. we find our own ways to do that. Uh, TJ Dillashaw is actually the first UFC fighter the Schmo ever interviewed. Wow! Um, I got my ass kicked by him at the Muscle Far Gym in, in Burbank, California. <laughs> I did a Schmo versus the pro. Um, I took a leg kick from him. Um, and it still hurts, right? I tore, 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 tore my knee. He's, he's the man, he's the man. <laughs> Not, wow. Yeah, it's, he's a good yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, his wife was there, and I vote. And then he went and fight, fought Cody Garbrandt the second time in Los Angeles Staples Center. Obviously, retained the belt. Yeah. Um, TJ really, really like him. We actually interviewed him shortly after the acquisitions. It was at a Bellator fight. He was probably yeah. cornering his buddy Juan Archuleta. Yeah. Um, he didn't get into detail. He was still, still kind of the culture shock or. The, the, the physical shock rather of admitting the guilt and everything but to your point he's totally owned up to it um i think to answer your question at this point the way Eljamain sterling ragdolled sanhagen took mm -hmm. him down submitted him 88 seconds 
I think that turned on a switch in Sanhagen. Yeah. He's been an absolute yeah. killer since that fight. Mm. I still think that flying knee knockout on Frankie Edgar <sighs> is the best knockout to date in 2021. To me, that's Nasty. my knockout of the year until <sighs> until someone beats that, if they will this year. Mm-hmm. He's got a nasty streak. He'll leave it all in the cage. I agree yeah. with you. If TJ can utilize the wrestling and bring him to the ground, it's TJ's world. But I'd like to think Sanhagen's takedown defense has definitely improved. He got his eyes open yeah. from Eljamain Sterling, who I think is a slightly better wrestler than TJ Dillashaw. Mm. Not much, but slightly. TJ might be, you can argue, <clears throat> is a better all-around fighter. You can argue, yeah. but he's not the champion right now. Eljamain is, even though he didn't lose the belt, and even though he got the belt from a DQ. What a, what a, what a complicated <laughs> what situation. A situation. What a mess. <laughs> but uh, I would give the edge to Sanhagen yeah. yes. because of the striking. I'm looking at the same thing too because from from the outside in, I I'm a big fan of both. Yeah. Again, I have um, more of a kind of a relationship with with TJ, but I just really like this guy Sanhagen. I think he's so dangerous, and he knows it right now. He's in a he's he's always seems like he's um, never never gets excited, overly excited. He's always in a calm deposition, you know, and he's he's just a fucking savage. What is it about these tall, lengthy strikers that just perform so well in the UFC? You know, yeah. like Israel Adesanya right now, we just brought up Sandhagen, yeah. Sean O'Malley fits that Sean mold. O'Malley. I mean, John Jones. John, John Jones. Jones. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. It is. The builds. It is. It's, I, definitely not for me. You yeah. know, and that's why I never went into fighting. I'd done a little stint in boxing, but that was as far as it goes. My short ass, I'm too much weight in my legs. They told me I'm fighting six footers. That was my days done. But yeah, that 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 style, it seems like that is the mold, right? But, yeah. and then you look at Kamaru Usman, who was jacked and, you know, not that lengthy guy. So it's, there's so many, there's so many styles and, and physiques, but there's a common denominator with, with these, uh, with these fighters. And I'm, I'm you mentioned, um, uh, you mentioned John. Who else did you mention? I'm sorry. Israel. 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 Sanhagen. Yeah. And I just brought up O'Malley's name. O'Malley. He's a that's f- what it was. Such a popular guy. Yeah. Yeah. There's this. There's an it factor to to Sean, right? I don't know what it, what it is. Yes. Of course, his fighting style, but there's definitely this it factor. And uh, I was actually in uh, excess the night after the <sighs> fight, only because it was my wife's birthday. And uh, I see Sean was there too, celebrating his victory. So, did you him, see him jump in the pool? He jumped in the pool. Oh yeah. Oh, he was in the DJ box with Marshmallow. Yeah. And uh, I was the booth right next to the DJ box, and then I kind of had this short interaction with him and his manager. Um, you know, but again, Sean was gone. Gone. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't even know. We had a quick conversation, but it was more. More with his with his well, uh, with his trainer with his coach. I'm sorry. I manager. think he told us when he was on our podcast two weeks that ago week yeah. as well. He yeah. was gonna be like gone, gone. after the fight. Oh, he, was gone. <laughs> oh. he was gone. He was loving life. Yeah, I, he, he was good. He literally just came off of a trip. You know, we're friends. I follow yeah. what what he does. He was just with that Steve Will Do It guy. Steve, I seen uh, 69. Didn't he have his tattoo or something? Right? Yeah, just yeah. got tattooed. Yeah. yeah, what a wild man. Just a three. He's a wild man. Yeah. Three day bender. He's living his life, right? Yeah. Life's short. Yeah, life's short. I know that, um, doesn't he have a new, uh, like a, a young? A he's got a baby daughter. Just, yeah, yeah, so congrats. That, 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 that also, I'm sure, has, has changed his mindset and in fighting and the business aspect of things. I'm sure he's found a, a sixth gear that he never knew he had. When I found out my daughter was on the way, this this literally sixth gear I, I discovered I, I've blown away by the the motivation and the drive that I somehow ha- somewhat had 
from seeing my wife get, you know, well, my seeing my wife pregnant and then develop into, uh, sorry, getting closer and closer to the birth. I was like, wow, this this is this is unbelievable, and and I was so driven to to succeed and provide a future for my for my uh, daughter. Um, and I think everybody who is an athlete that has um, uh, or, or has a, a daughter or a son or whatever or kids, should I say? They they'll definitely say that the that is they're fighting for their family. You know, I think that like yeah. like Misha Tate this yeah, weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't she like wear something with the Blue. kids' colors or something yeah, like that? For yeah. She's the the first female star too mm-hmm. to retire right. and then return. Yeah. And what a way to do it! What a way! I was uh, I was there cheering her on this weekend, this past weekend. So it was yeah yeah this past weekend. Damn, time's flying, but it was great to to see her return and to see that fire back and and obviously fueled by she got two kids right yeah yeah fueled by her two kids and obviously they they were mentioned in the victory speech. Um, so it, it's got to be definitely hard for a mother with kids to get back into the gym and train and she was at that level. Yeah, we kudos were, to her. I Respect. Know. We were at her going away party. You we know, were how, yeah, at, before when, she moved. When she moved to Singapore, when she got hired by one championship, yeah, yeah. we uh, Helen got the invite out. We had just started dating at that yeah, time, Helen yeah. and I, and we went to her house and just to see how mentally, not just physically, because yeah. physically yeah. she became a specimen the Absolutely. past few months. Training with uh, Sam called. Calvita. Calvita. Cal- Calvita at the training, training lab, lab. Okay. the guy yeah, who works yeah, with yeah. TJ Dillashaw. TJ and yeah, all the guys. Uh, all the guys. She's ripped out of her mind, but mentally, t- the place where she was at before to yeah. where she's at now, the switch. Man, it's. I didn't even know she was training at the training lab, so I know what that that, yeah. that coach puts them guys through. So pff, kudos to her to yeah. signing up for that. <laughs> yeah, she told me. I see these guys, and I, you know, again, I'm friends with Juan and and uh, Lance Palmer, and I see. The, the worker regime that's coming from that small little garage that that guy gets them to do. My gosh, I mean, sweating from looking at the Instagram page. So kudos to her for throwing herself into that madhouse and getting into to the shape she's in and, and doing it whilst being a mum and balancing the life of being a mum, a wife, and whatever else. Great job. But that just shows you too just how much the human is capable of, absolutely. whether it's your mind or body. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so there's um, this upcoming. There's a uh, there's another big fight coming up. Derek Lewis and uh, yeah, again, yeah, August seventh. Yes. Uh, yeah, I seen they've already started promoting that big out here in Las Vegas. The billboards are up. That's going to be a banger too. Can't wait for that one. That's yeah. definitely going to be a banger. But uh, yeah, that's that from the UFC side of things. There's you know for me uh, as a fight fan, there's always going to be something playing on in my house every single day. Don't get me wrong, listen, I'm, I'm a bodybuilder, first things foremost, but what I'm passionate about and the sports that I follow outside of that, rugby, MMA, and 3DF, to be honest with you, is the odd soccer game that comes on. And if it's my country playing in something, I always like to support. I've got all like the UK TV in my house wired up. Don't ask me if it's legal or not, but it's still playing. I <laughs> no, wonder. I, I wonder. I wonder if no, this year, this year, you can be converted to a Las Vegas Raiders fan. I already have. You seen my number plate on my truck outside? I did not catch it. Yeah, I was a Raiders fan when we were at Lo- Oakland. Okay, oh, here we go. I, okay. I, ha- I, ha- I was Original. in Wales. Yeah, I had the jersey, the Oakland Raiders. Obviously, it, it's it's evolved to where it is now. 
I was always attracted to the to the Raiders. I just thought they were nuts. You know, what was the uh, behind the, the stand that was behind the post? The black the, hole. Yes, the, the black, black hole. hole. The the autumn wind is a Raider. Silver and black. Yeah, and I, I don't know because uh, be, growing up in rugby, there's this element of being a crazy fan. You know, we've got them in in soccer. You have the hooligans, and in football, you don't really see it. But in the Raiders, black hole. There was the madness that went on there, and, I, and we were in, in the UK. It's played a lot, you know. And I thought that was just a wild team. And I had the jersey as a young kid. One of my um, my family members came to the US and purchased a jersey, brought it back. I was wearing that thing inside out through through the whole summer. I remember. So yeah, it's been a while, mate. I did did live in Miami, you know, Florida, and True. I and I did go to a couple of Miami Dolphins team. You know, the Miami Dolphins doctors were my doctors throughout my career, and shout out to them. They they kept me in the game, but uh, I can't say I support the Miami Dolphins. No, we <laughs> just have to convert David from a Bears fan. Uh oh, I was going. Face. I was going <laughs> to give up on my Chicago Bears until they drafted Justin Fields. Oh, saved saved everything. Yeah. I am so proud that they finally made the right choice. So, so you don't even have a toe in the water in the Allegiant Stadium? Uh, well, you know, we're going to be covering them. We're going to be covering them. We'll be at the games. I'm hoping to interview Coach uh, John Gruden in the yeah. next uh, couple of weeks. We'll find out. We'll see. Don't, don't be declaring you're a Bears fan, mate. You won't be, <laughs> I, we won't be getting the invite back. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> you're good, Helen. You're good. Yeah. The Legion's there. I have, we have a good relationship. We have a good relationship <laughs> with Max Crosby. Fantastic. He's a huge fight fan. Yeah. yeah. We'll see him this weekend with the charity game. So, um, excellent. Well, Flexman, you're the man. We've been going at it for nearly an hour, if not over or less, or just around there. Final thoughts in the Schmozen. We appreciate having you on. It's great to be here again, guys. Uh, you know, I know that I can talk myself out of a paper bag here, but we've uh, we've covered a lot of subjects. And, you know, with, with me going through my, my whole career, which I know I we touched on a little bit, which I never ended up finishing the question uh, about the Olympias, um, it's been a long journey, you know, and I will say that for anybody who's watching this, just don't give up on your goals and dreams. You know, I, I came from the other side of the world. I was told I was never going to make it. I was told I was not even going to win my first show. And uh, I love being told that you can't because I wouldn't be where I am. You know, I've, I've had an incredible experience. I've met some amazing people. I'm gr I, I love being able to now be in a position where I'm the other side of the booth and I can talk and tell people, it's like, listen, you can do this, you know? And I'm not just talking about bodybuilding in life. If you, you want to be a better dad, you can, do, you can be a better dad. If you want to be a better athlete, you can be a better athlete. There's, there's things you need to do in place. You have to change your life to, to get there. But I guess the message that I, that I try to push out to people is, look at me, I, I feel like I'm living the American dream. They say the American dream is dead. I feel like I am the statistic of being the American dream. I came over here and, um, you know, with, with wishful hopes, I lived on sofas. I pursued this mad, this mad vision that I, I thought that um, I was going to get to. And now I look back, I think, damn, that 20 year old Flex Lewis was freaking so driven. You know, I'm driven now, but I think to myself that then I didn't have a sponsorship. I didn't have the contracts that I have right now, the businesses and stuff. I was living on my savings, uh, chasing this dream. And I never gave up throughout the ups and the downs. I still focus forward. 
and uh, I was able to to get to where I am today through through hard work, determination, and just as I said, never giving up. So, if you guys have a a, a dream, uh, just go for it. You know that that's the only thing I want to try and put, you know just to to be an example of. Follow it, go for it, and you know what? You are going to fail during that time, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just getting back up and dusting yourself off and going back at it again and again and again. Um, and I'm and I've no problem in telling pe people I failed more times than I've succeeded. You know, there's been doors that have closed on me over the years, but I knew where I wanted to go, and I've got there. And I've also been able to now create a fantastic life through the sport of bodybuilding. And um, I have a beautiful family uh, here in the U.S. And life is good, you know. And this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning of a new chapter. I'm here in Las Vegas. I've opened up the Dragon's Lair. I have phenomenal athletes now that I can nurture through in different sports and see the, the progression of them. And... Uh, and kind of move into new chapters. It's very exciting. I'm working on a lot of different projects, uh, stuff I can't say about, but I'll definitely come back, guys, and, and report on it in the future. The The future is bright, and I'm excited to, to just keep on doing what I'm doing. Well said. Yeah, and about your speech as well, it definitely also motivates me oh. because... I'm training to try to qualify for the 2024 Olympic trials in swimming. Dang. And when you say, you know, about like failing and getting up and try again, I mean, David could tell you how many days I would come back from swim practice and just cry because yeah. you hit like a wall. And then today he timed me, not going to say the time yet, but I finally dropped that second. I broke that wall, but yes. it's, it's just that, having to keep going. And persevering right yeah it's hard a it lot is. of days uh, and normally like here it is is yeah. it is sometimes the the weakest tool is um i'm very blessed again to have the people around me and i have my days we all do i don't care who you are you could be at the top of the tree you're still going to have them days where you're like oh man you know that that but then you realize it's like this is what you want this is yeah. what you work for and when things go to plan you're like, wow, I'm so glad I didn't give up. There were so many opportunities. There were so many times where I could have just said, you know what, this is it. You know, I, I've done what I've done, I'm very happy. But there's something inside you right now that won't give up on that. And it's the same for me. There's a lot of things that I still haven't succeeded to do. There's still boxes that I have in my head that I need to tick. And uh, until I get to, the, get to them and I, and I successfully kick that door down i move on to the next i love it that's what all three of us have in common and actually helen said my final thoughts i was going to congratulate on her congratulate her for when we timed you today having the lowest time to date dropping that time by the full second uh she stays the course she's going to achieve those dreams well and thanks to a great support system always We've, we we we're we're very black, and it goes vice versa, right? I know how I've seen you supporting, and, and vice versa. You know, we, yes, you're out there on your own, yourself with swimming, me on stage in the skimpies. Um, but the support network I have to get into that point, you know, yes, it's an individual sport, but it isn't. Exactly. The psychological aspect of of what we we do um, and get into that point is so big, 
and that's why I've, I've stayed loyal to my, my team because they've been loyal to me, you know. My wife is one of my biggest supporters, so is my daughter, you know, and there's been times when I got injured in 20, uh, 20, 20, 2020, I had to pull out of the show. In fact, it was my coach and my wife that ganged up on me and said, you're not competing this year. Um, not to open a can of worms, I don't want to prolong the podcast, but this okay. is one... This was one story that um, mentally I was still in the game and physically I wasn't. So it was a very hard thing for me to accept, but my wife and my coach, the two two people that really have my back. And I would have gone, gone through the show. I would have gone and wouldn't have been 100%. I probably would have been like 85. And that's, what, that's not who I am. I'm 100% or nothing. But mentally, up here, I was going till the wheels fall off. And um, until they both sat me down and said, hey, listen, it's not on the cards this year. When I heard that, first of all, I was like, forget you both. I'm going to do this. Three days later, I was retracting my statement and I was like, yeah, you guys are right. But it took me a while to get my head around it. And um, But then the the focus that I had for the Olympia prep, I then soon put into my recovery and I done everything in my power to, to get back in that gym, including stem cells and all of the above. Yeah, when we get off, uh, as we're walking out, you gotta keep stressing the importance of recovery to Helen because I can <laughs> say it till I'm blue in the face, that, but she only sorry. listens to me maybe 20% of the time. Always in a flex. <laughs> yeah, she'll listen to anyone yes, else, but yes. it's not me. Yeah, recovery. Recovery is important. Uh, episode 70 of the Schmo Zone podcast. I'm coming to the Dragon's Lair. The Schmo's coming. I'd love that, my friend. I'd love that. It's happening. Can I, can I wear the glasses? I'll bring you a pair. Oh, my, my. <laughs> We're out. <laughs> <laughs>